Peace and mercy be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today comes from John chapter 4. Um, so if you want to follow along, if you have a Bible on your app or if you have a Bible in front of you, you can follow along. Beginning with verse 1. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria, Samaria, and he came to a town of Samaria called Sinkar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from the journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask of a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw the water with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I give him will become a, in him a spring of water welling up for eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I may not be thirsty after coming to draw water here. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman said to him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you are now with is not your husband. What, have you, what you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the, time, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I, I who speak to you am he. This is our text for this morning. We're reaching a very important time in our society where we have important conversations. Oftentimes around the holiday season, family members come, we have great conversations, hopefully great conversations, sometimes difficult conversations. I've noticed that at our own table, we've had more divisive conversations lately. I've been blessed with a lot of children. Um, my wife and I took Genesis seriously, so we have six children. And our children sometimes have interesting views on life, and we disagree sometimes about how we think life is and how the life should be. And so we try to have these important conversations, and uh, now they surround all kind of difficult topics, politics, COVID, vaccinations, 
society in general, the state of our nation. And in our text today, we see Jesus having an important conversation with a woman at a well. Now, what's amazing about this conversation is, like so many conversations, maybe it should never have happened. As a matter of fact, in order for it to happen, Jesus had to go out of his way to make this conversation happen. You see, Jews didn't normally travel through Samaria. They tried their best to walk around Samaria because they saw Samaritans as off-limit people. They were not the kind of people they would sit down and have an important conversation with. But Jesus went out of the norm and went through Samaria, Samaria looking for this important conversation to have with this woman at this well. This should never have happened, too, because Jesus went to the well at the sixth hour, which is about noontime. Now, at about noon, most people aren't around. Most people are home having a midday meal. This woman came to the well at noon because she assumed nobody would be there to have a conversation with her. And to her surprise, she goes to the well to find this Jewish rabbi sitting at the well. Well, she figures, well, there's no way this Jewish guy is going to talk to me because we don't have conversations. And then he asks her for a drink. And you can hear the surprise in the text. She says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask of me, a Samaritan, for a drink when Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? In other words, you don't converse with us, so why are you talking to me? And Jesus said, if you knew who it was offering to have this conversation and asking you for a drink, you would ask and I would give you living water. Now, this shouldn't have happened too because not only was she a Jew and he a Jew and she a Samaritan, and they have a long history of conflict that goes back to 722 B.C. when Jerusalem fell to Babylon and half the, some of the Jews were taken off into captivity and those who became Samaritans were the ones who intermarried with the, with the Assyrians. And so they were considered kind of half-breeds by the Jews. They were considered not as pure as other Jews. So they were considered traitors. Down south, we would call them, they were kind of the red-headed stepchildren of the family. And so they were kind of off outcast as far as the Jews were concerned. The second thing that was important to know is that in that time, in the Middle Eastern culture, women were not allowed to have a conversation with a man without her husband being present. As a matter of fact, that is still true in some really heavy Muslim populations. Women are not allowed to speak in public, not at all. wonder how that would go over in America. Women can't speak a lot without their husbands in public. So not only was he in the wrong place, but he was talking to the wrong kind of person, and he was talking to a woman. So that conversation never should have happened. But Jesus, to make the conversation seem more natural, he says to her, why don't you go get your husband and bring him back so we can have this conversation in an appropriate cultural context. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus responds, well, you've answered correctly because you've actually had five husbands. I said, she was the Elizabeth Taylor of her day. And for those who don't get that reference, she was the Mariah Carey of her day. 
You see, she had lived a life where it was unacceptable to society and to the public because you were allowed three mistakes when it comes to marriage in that culture. She had shot way past the three limit. And now she was living a situation that was not acceptable to the culture. The reason she was probably there at noon was because she probably got sick of hearing all of the references about her lifestyle, hearing about her history and her past, and to come to the well at noon meant that she probably had no one at the well to talk about her past or bring up her situation. But notice what Jesus did in this conversation. He says, you have answered correctly, for you have had five husbands, and what you're with now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said. Now I'm waiting for that moment where Jesus jumps in and kind of criticizes her lifestyle and her choices. But he doesn't. He goes on talking about what he can offer her. Because she, like so many people in our world, use probably the wrong means to try and meet a hole in their heart. For her, it was probably bad relationships. For some, it's been drugs. For some, it's been career choices. But we run across people all the time, we may even know them ourselves, who live life kind of seeking something to make them happy, something to fill the void in their life. And so this woman used relationships. And what does Jesus offer her? He says, I have something that you need something to fill that God-sized hole in your heart. I have living water. And what's really neat about the phrase living water, he says, it will spring up in you like a geyser. The actual Greek means like, a, like, the, like the faithful fountain. That's like this huge gushing up of water will spring up and swell up inside of you. And it's like it will, it will fill every single inch of your desiring soul with the things of God. He says, I can fill up that hole in your heart, that hole in your life, with what it means to be connected with the Father. She was so surprised by this. She, she said, I want to meet this Messiah that you talk about because we've heard about him. And when he comes, he promises to tell us all things. And Jesus says, the one you're looking for is me. She was so moved by this interaction, by this conversation, that she ran back to her village to tell everyone that she had met a man that told everything about herself and offered her this amazing gift of salvation. The disciples come back, and they see Jesus having this conversation. And they ask him, um, why are you talking with this woman? It's like, so why are you breaking all the cultural norms? Why are you spending time with this Samaritan? But when the woman left with her water jar and goes back to the people, the people from the town come back and say, you have to meet this, this guy, this Jesus. I think he's the one. And it goes back to John's question in our gospel today, that was for the gospel reading for today, was he the one? Was he the one that we've been waiting for? Is he the one that the world has been waiting for? Is he the one the world still is waiting for? What I love most about this account is the reaction of the woman. When her life is transformed by the power of the gospel, 
she goes back and she cannot stop talking about it. And that's really the heart of what evangelism is. It's not some program you can buy in the store. It's not some extensive training that I could give you or someone else could give you. It's just people being really excited about the message of salvation that's been personalized for them. It's about what Christ has done for them. It's about your story and how God has interacted in your life and how he's changed and transformed your life. You see, the most powerful evangelism account is not one that someone can tell you about, but it's about what Christ has done in your own personal life. When you share those stories of heartbreak, those stories of how God never abandoned you in the midst of crisis, how at a funeral Christians can somehow look at it as, as a homegoing, a, a happy event, one with still sorrow, but there's still joy because that person's suffering is over and now they've inherited this living water and get to spend their eternity with the Messiah. We have a hope and an ability to rejoice and love that the world just does not understand. Because, see, our hope is not grounded in the, what we hope is possible, what we believe may happen, but our hope is grounded in the assurance of Christ's death and resurrection, these sure assurances of salvation. We rejoice in the midst of difficult times, not because we are Pollyanna, because we know where our strength comes from. Our rejoicing comes in our fact that we are content in the fact that we know that this is not all there is in life, but we have been blessed with a hereafter. We have joy because we know we have been made right with God by the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we get to go out into the world and share that message with a world that looks hopeless, that looks lost, that looks confused. With a world that is dealing with depression and pandemic and problems and division we get to point them to the one source of our hope, our joy, and our peace. Our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. May this Christmas season remind you of that hope, that love, that joy, and may you rejoice in your salvation. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.